Words matter. They can change the course of your day. Just listen. You are brave. You are stronger than you think. You have value, worth, and dignity. Don't you feel better already? Welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. Join author and board-certified life coach Janelle Reardon as she opens a very important conversation about the power of our words. Hello and welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. I am Janelle, your host for today's conversation. We are in a very special series, The Hallways of Home. Because of a global pandemic, COVID-19, that has hit us all, hit us all hard. We are experiencing something we've never experienced in our lifetime, for sure. Last pandemic on record is 1918. And we have been forced home, forced to quarantine, forced to shelter in place, and man, wear masks and gloves and stand six feet apart from everyone including, you know, our families that live outside of our homes, our friends, our communities, our faith communities, our churches are now all meeting virtually online. I am a therapist, so my my practice is all virtual teletherapy. And it's just crazy. That's all it is. And so today, I'm going to venture into a uh, a topic that I have had on my heart for, oh goodness, well over a year. And it's, it's, it's a difficult topic. And so I'm going to begin with a, a warning and a, just a message to hear these words in grace and not shame. We here in this community, we speak the language of love and grace. We do not speak the language of shame and judgment. We are a community that supports one another, upholds one another, and heart lifts one another. And we practice the threefold chord of emotional and we could say cognitive health. A healthy sense of self, healthy behavior patterns, and healthy communication skills. And this threefold cord will enable us to live our God breathe, the very best selves, and have strong, resilient, emotional relationships with all those in our spheres of influence, which leads us to eudaimonia, which is the pursuit of a meaningful life. And so today I'm going to tackle it. It's the anatomy of yelling. Yes, I'm just going down that road. I really have been hesitant because it's a tough topic and I never want to tiptoe or eggshell my way through any of our conversations, but it has definitely been a strong theme in um, my private practice with families. And so I just have to start the conversation today. We'll only skim the surface. That's all we can do here on a podcast. But if some of what hits home, maybe some of it will hit home to you today it may really, it, it could also trigger you, and I don't want it to do that, but I, I want it to prod you. So we could say a prodding is a spiritual, positive movement of the Spirit of God to help us to see we need help, to open our eyes, make us aware 
triggers are emotional and they come from unresolved trauma that perhaps is stored up in our amygdala, our fight, flight, or freeze. And we don't want to live out of our amygdala. I, you hear me talk about this all the time. So um, we want to live from a, from a place of integration in our mind, in our brain, in our heart, in our body. We want to be integrated. We do not want to be disintegrated and living out of unresolved negative histories or stories. So today we're going to venture on into the anatomy of yelling, which started for me during a, a client session. And in her sharing of her history of hurts, she was definitely divulging that she had grown up in a household of anger and rage and yelling, a hostile environment, we would call that, in the counseling world. Dysfunctional, hostile, um, harmful environment. And the more I went through my training, my practitioner training in Aroma Freedom technique, which focuses in on memory reconsolidation and healing those unresolved memories that are negative and um, hurtful and harmful, the more I saw a link, a theme to many of my clients that they had come from a family of origin, a first family where yelling was the primary mode of communication. So I've talked a lot about anger. So here I'm going to give you some episodes to refer back to. Uh, season 1, episode 5, I talk about prosody, which is your tone of voice. And prosody can be powerful or it can be poisonous. So you're going to want to refer back to that and listen to that. Season two, episode three, why am I so angry? <laughs> Ooh, I'm laughing, but it's so not funny. Laughing is one of my defense mechanisms. You can tell I laugh more when I get um, nervous and uncomfortable about a topic that I don't really want to talk about. So here I am laughing. Ah. Uh, season two, episode eight, real love is safe. And season two, episode 13 if mama ain't communicating well, ain't nobody communicating well. So those are four key uh, podcast episodes that I think will be extremely helpful to you as you, um, after you l listen through this and maybe move through this again uh, with pen and paper in hand. I take a lot of my uh knowledge from one of the best books I have ever read on anger, and that is by Robert D. Jones, Uprooting Anger, Biblical Help for a Common Problem. As you know, I come from a Judeo-Christian worldview. I look through the frame of faith, and so I will always turn to God and to his word and to uh, the, follow, the ways of Jesus and try to follow those ways. So as we begin, I want to read from the scripture. I want to read from a passage in Ephesians 4, which Ephesians 4 to me is, is just the basis for how to have really healthy communication in your life. The Apostle Paul does such a good job of explaining how we should talk and treat one another. 
So in Ephesians 4, I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to start with verse 25 and go on down to verse 32. He says, So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Okay, that's going to be really key. So if you have a pen and paper, go and write that down. That's Ephesians 4, 25, no, 26. Don't sin, which sin just means I'm missing the mark. I am not living to my fullest God-breathed potential. And so we miss the mark when we let anger control us. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. I'm sure you've heard that. They say it all the time in TV shows and movies. They're alluding to the Bible. Verse 27, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. So the devil is just evil. He's the enemy. He's the enemy of God. He's the enemy of goodness. He's the enemy of healthy. He's the enemy of all things that make us live in right relationship with God and one another. So when we let anger control us, because this is what Paul's talking about here, when we let anger control us and we let the sun go down while that anger is still controlling us, then we give evil. I call him liar in my new book coming up. When we give him a place, a foothold is just like a toe in the door where someone can't shut the door and we just are giving him some room in our life to cause havoc. Verse 28, if you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. And that would be that language of shame and judgment that we uh, are training ourselves to not use. That would be unhealthy language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Man, this would just take the rest of our lives to master. Because the tongue is like a fire, it says in the book of James, just a few chapters behind this book of Ephesians 4. He continues in verse 30, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Okay, Remember our series is the hallways of home. We've been called, we've been forced home. I can say called home because I really do believe that um, my my father in heaven is behind this and there must be something he wants us all to embrace. Remember, God has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, anger, rage, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, Paul says, instead, comma, take a breath. Be kind to each other. Tender-hearted, 
tenderhearted would another way of saying that would be warm, empathic, compassionate, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We are just past the Easter season in the Christian calendar. This season where we look at the life of Jesus here on earth. He came to earth from heaven. He came as a man, humbled himself, and lived this out, his life before us as a human being. So he was a divine being who took a human form. And we learn and watch and listen to his words as he walked on this planet and served and tried to teach Teach a new way of living, a new way of loving. And this is what Paul learned from him, that we need to get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior, and instead be kind to one another, tenderhearted, compassionate, So you're going to hear me moving a lot of papers today because <laughs> I have a lot of notes. But if you've been with me the past few episodes in our Hallways of Home series, you know that I've been urging and pleading and asking and begging, right, for your families to, to take this time to heart. Man, I, I know it, it's crazy and I, I hear you, young mamas and dads. I hear you, moms and dads of adolescents and even, you know, college age who are now home. What are we going on? Five, six weeks? It's just nuts. And there's so much advice being given and so much out there for you to hear and listen. And for me, I just want you to hear this is about your family and your family relationships and this is a time to heal wounds, to love deeply, to talk and sit in circles of trust. A time to sit down as a family and communicate and talk about what's going on in the life of your family. Learning to take short accounts of the day. So at the end of the day, or the middle of the day, we're sitting down and we're checking in emotionally. How are you feeling? Where are you feeling that in your body? How can I help you? How can you help me? Using this time to establish some profoundly important family practices. Because we're moving into a new normal and none of us know what that new normal looks like. You know, how are we going to re-enter our communities, our small businesses. How, how is that all going to look? We don't know. This is a invisible, violent virus. And it's baffling, the best of them. But what we can do during this time is make our home the safest place on earth for our family. We cannot think beyond the threshold of the front or back door or garage door of our family right now. I can't, I cannot beg you enough 
because it's that critical. There's something coming. I, will it be more fierce? I do not know. But this is our opportunity to align our hearts, minds, and bodies as a family, a small group, a little tribe. So, in a study by Duke, Harvard, and Columbia Universities, one in 10 U.S. adults have a history of impulsive anger. So that's what we're going to just talk for a few minutes about today is this impulsive anger, this screaming and yelling. 90% of parents, uh, American parents, admit that they have at least once or twice yelled or used harsh verbal discipline and language. I don't think there are any of us who could not admit that the, that we have done that. Uh, my husband and I, as and if you've listened, you know, we both were tremendously gifted at repression and suppression. And so we repressed, which is can almost be as fierce as fierce as explosions because we're exploding on the inside and then our kids don't really know what is going on. They are just sensing and just, just this cloud of anger and they're just confused. Bottom line is children, those in our care, those who are walking in the hallways of our home deserve better. And you know what? You deserve better than holding in all of that impulsive anger that's not supposed to live inside of our bodies. Impulsive, when we take that word apart, means acting or doing without forethought. Acting or doing without careful thought. I think you're going to hear a very strong theme as we talk today because I certainly did as I was preparing and looking and writing some notes down. And an impulse then, when we look at the root of impulsive, an impulse is something that's activated or swayed by emotional or involuntary impulses. So when we think of yelling and screaming and rage as a, a primary mode of communication inside of a family, inside of the home, we have to, here, here's an, an image that I have gotten the past few days as I have listened to, to, to many things and held many client sessions. So it's kind of like the... There's a fire going on inside of the house and no one's calling 911. No one outside of the house can really see it until perhaps it really is combustible and some fire will start leaking out of the windows. But most of us are really, really good at keeping the fire inside the house. As they say in Thailand, 
we got to keep the fire inside the house. We have to save face. We, we can't. So we go to church. We go to our activities. We go to our life and show up for life with a smile on. And everybody thinks everything's just great. I'm doing just fine. You know, I've told that story. I rode up to the bank teller in a drive-in one day of homeschooling my kids. They're, you know, all three of them in the car. I don't remember how old they were. They weren't very, very old, but eight, 12, maybe twins were eight. And we were having something or I was having a scuffle or I don't, I don't remember, but I was very, very frustrated. And the drive, the teller puts out the, the drawer and I put my stuff in. She goes, how are you doing today, ma'am? I'm like, oh, I'm just peachy. And she was like, oh, and the kids all lean over and look at her and go, she's really not doing okay. And I was like, oh, I'm so busted. So, yeah, children. I'm so grateful my children called me out, actually, because a lot of children don't do that. A lot of them repress, 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 and they don't really know what to do with all that anger that's being pushed at them. At the root of impulsive as well, it means to strike or push against. So when I explode at a child or explode at a partner or my love, my husband or wife, when I just am unbridled in my anger, I am letting, when I'm letting my anger control me instead of me control my anger, when all hell breaks loose, that will show itself in an adult tantrum, just like a toddler has a tantrum, outburst explosions, out. I'm out of control, you're flipping your lid, you've lost your mind because you have lost your mind. All of that is just really, really scary. And when it happens on a regular basis, it becomes trauma. So you and I aren't talking about, <coughs> excuse me, you and I aren't talking about just a, you know, um, a yelling to save our child from running out on the road. That's not what we're talking about here. That's protection. We're not talking about yelling at a child before they put their hand on a hot stove. We're not, that's not what we're talking about. Those are yelling to warn someone. We're talking as yelling as a, habitual form of discipline or correction. We're talking about yelling being the dominant mode of communication from the smallest in the family to the oldest. So during that client session where we started to develop this thought of what is the anatomy of yelling and why do you think you yell and so we started, I drew a, a, a diagram, a bubble diagram on my notepad, and um, I'll send a, put a picture out on our private Facebook group uh, later this evening. And we concluded that uh, yelling was basically very selfish and self-centered. I'm not getting my way. You're not giving me what I want from you. Uh, yelling is you're not doing what I want you to do, right? It's it's we're out of control. We've gone from a an integrated brain and and thinking out of our prefrontal cortex and the cortex part, 
And we're now moving from our amygdala, our fight, flight, or freeze. And that's the secret, as we talked about initially. When, we're, when we have a habit, when we have a habitual mode of yelling, screaming, rage, exploding behavior, when that is habitual, then there must be something that is tucked away, that is repressed, unresolved inside of that amygdala part of our brain, fight, flight, freeze. Another aspect of that anatomy of yelling is maybe if I yell, it'll get through your thick head, right? As if turning up the volume of my voice will make you hear me. I humbly remember homeschooling, right? And it's just day in and day out. You're there right now with so many of you, and it's just, it's, it's difficult. Now, I chose to do it. It doesn't diminish that it was a hard job and that I didn't have bad moments because I had many. But I remember trying to teach one of my children math, and it just wasn't, they, wasn't, they weren't getting it. And I found myself, my volume was crescendoing. I was getting louder and louder and louder as if I thought me getting louder would make my child understand, right? I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I'm doing this. I was just very frustrated. So at that point, I'm being selfish because I'm not being patient. I'm not. I am being very human, and I allow myself that that humanity. But if that had kept going as a habit in my teaching of my child, that would have been very, very, very detrimental. And we'll talk more about that in a second. It's It also can be part of your emotional DNA. It can be part of uh, what you have picked up from your parents. Uh, it can be very genetic. Yeah, if... if Anger and yelling and rage and screaming was how you were parented and you, you're now mirroring what you learned from your parents because mirroring is the most profound way that we learn how to move through life outside of just relearning. We learn most by watching and observing the people that are closest to us. So let's just talk a minute about the uh, the scream. What's behind the scream? The anatomy of a scream. What's behind a shriek? And in an article by Joseph DeSalt, he writes, Of all the sounds humans are capable of producing, a scream tends to get the most attention. A universal signal for extreme distress. And then he asked the question, but what's behind a scream? What is the anatomy of a scream? So screams make use of a sonic quality called, are you ready for this? I didn't even know it was a sonic quality. Roughness. Yeah, roughness. Which activates a neural response relating to fear. Oh, just lean in and stay tuned here. This is so profound. Neuroscientists David Popel and Luck or Luke Arnall also found that screams occupied an acoustic niche not shared by other human vocalizations. 
they published their findings uh, in a current biological journal. On the surface, screams are a simple concept. They're loud, high-pitched, and intended to convey extreme distress or danger. This is the use of a proper yell, of a proper scream, right? There's a snake, a copperhead, coming along the trail that you're walking on. Not sure you're supposed to scream. Not sure this is the right example. But we would scream. If I see a mouse in the house, I'm going to scream. If I see my husband going to hit the person in front of us in a car, I'm going to scream. There's a purpose and a, and a very vital purpose to our scream as an alarm for danger. But conventional wisdom aside, they write, the scientific community never settled on a concrete definition, nor did it explain our responses to screaming. But they continued. They did a slightly unconventional acoustic study, collecting a host of different human and non-human sounds. Another group listened to the sounds, and they rated them based on how alarming they were. As it turns out, a true scream, here we go, Here, lean in here, man. This so relates to season one, episode five, the tone of voice. It turns out a true scream isn't characterized by volume or pitch. The real key is an acoustic feature, which we've already named, called roughness. When the frequency of a sound modulates or changes more quickly than our ears can differentiate, it is considered rough and we perceive it as unpleasant. Oh man, here we go. Hearing very rough sounds is correlated with activity in the brain's amygdala. The region that we know, we're learned, we're learned students of neurobiological uh, thinking here. The amygdala is the region associated with feelings of fear. So screams along with dissonant chords and artificial alarm sounds all fell within the roughness domain. The more roughness modulation a sound has, a scream has, the more scary it seems and the more effectively it activates the amygdala. And they did an MRI scientific studies with the brains of many people on this. And it just means... You know, that really the last thing we as parents want to do on a, in a normal, healthy mode of disciplining our children is fire up their amygdala and make them fearful. That's what we want to do if they're running into the street and a truck is coming down the road. That's what we want to do when they are in severe danger. But you, mom, you, dad, you, caregiver, you, siblings, you do not want to be fear. When your children look at you, you don't want them to see fear. And when you are blowing your top, flipping your lid, losing your mind, exploding like a bomb, Your children's amygdala is going to be highly activated. And unless an emotional repair is immediately made, which I will be talking about that in a future episode, how to continue doing these emotional repairs, 
that child can be left with um, some severe, some severe issues. And I know that you don't want that. I know that I don't want that. So the affect on our children is is very dangerous, and we don't we don't want that. So I'm looking for this other note I have. Here we go. I'm turning back here, very important. So what then do we do in order to assure that we don't continue utilizing this mode, unhealthy mode of communication? And we know, if we know that yelling and screaming lowers the self-esteem and of our, our children and it, it can help that make them have higher rates of depression and increase their behavioral problems. I mean, these are all proven facts. If we know that, what on earth do we do about it? I'm so glad you're here. Because we know that we know awareness is key. And the very first step towards changing our behaviors, our unhealthy behaviors, the very first most important step in transforming our unhealthy communication skills of ang angry and rage and is to be aware. To go, oh my gosh, I do that. And today I'm offering this anatomy of yelling so you can maybe pinpoint why you do it so that you can get to the root of that in your life and heal it. If this is the way that you grew up, if you grew up in a family culture filled with yelling and rage and harsh language and shaming language and... Um, I'm sorry, first and foremost. But there's hope because this is something, no matter what age you are, that you can heal those neural pathways. All of the trauma that might be locked up inside of your amygdala, all those negative memories maybe of, of you seeing this acted out inside of your family, your childhood. There's hope. We are not left hopeless here. We have tools. And first and foremost, in healing repressed trauma, you know, you may not even know why you do this because it's on the subconscious level. It's in your implicit memory. It's, it's way down deep. So it typically will, you'll be called out on it, right? Maybe even by an adult child who says, I, you're not doing this anymore. Somebody in the family has to rise up in the center of this yelling and screaming and say, no more. This is not okay. That person I call a heart lifter. That person says, um, no, not anymore. We're not doing this anymore. You are not allowed to speak to me like that. 
with that tone of voice, with that roughness, you're not allowed. You have, you have no permission. Not allowed. Somebody finally waves the white flag on the other side and says, oh my God, I don't know why I do that. I'm so sorry. I don't know why. I don't know why I do this. Help me. Hold me accountable. Let's get help. In a family, please hear me, dear friends. This has to be a team effort. And it has to start with one person. You've heard my stories. You know my daughter, Brooke, called me to accountability. My, each of my children at one point or another has said, Mom, no, not okay. Or my husband, not okay. Or I've said to my husband, not okay. Or we've said, to our, now, now that we know better and we do better and we have healthy emotional tools in our toolbox in this family, the Reardon family, we do better. We don't do perfect, but we do better. And the more that we know and learn and grow because we're committed to a growth mindset in our family, we do better. So first and foremost, someone will stand up. Someone will finally break. Um, hopefully it won't be um, irreparable. And then hopefully there will be humility and awareness of, oh my gosh, I cannot do this anymore. This is just not, this isn't, this isn't good. And I want better. I love that. So a Dr. Alan Kasdan, a professor of psychology at Yale University, says yelling is not a strategy. It is a release. Hear that one more time. Yelling is not a strategy, it is a release. You yell, you scream, you shriek, you put your hand through the wall, you, I won't fill in the rest of the abusive ways that anger shows itself and rage shows itself when it's unhealthy, when it's unbridled. I don't want to trigger anyone, but when there is abuse involved, there's some unresolved issue, whether it's little t, middle t, or big t trauma that you're, that's stuck inside of your amygdala as an adult that needs healing. It's begging you to heal. It cannot stay repressed any longer. He says, not yelling involves advanced planning and discipline for the parents. And when a parent acknowledges in humility, in a circle of trust, with the language of love and grace, and says, children, I have an anger problem. I don't even know why. I don't know why I'm yelling. I don't know why I've abused this situation in this family. I'm, I'm, don't, I'm so sorry. When you sit before your children in a humility of posture like that, a posture of humility, sorry, and are using a language of repentance and transformation, you're making sense of your, perhaps even your legacy, your emotional, unhealthy emotional baggage. You're making sense of it with your children. And that is the first step to healing any wounds that have been made because of the unbridled anger. 
And listen to me closely here. This is not a forgive and forget situation. The amygdala doesn't forget easily, especially when it's harboring really traumatic memories of rage and anger and yelling and screaming and shrieking. And It needs to be healed. It needs to be cleared of those negative emotions and trauma. And that takes discipline on your part to pick up a phone and call for help. I'm here for you and Aroma Freedom Technique is here for you. Memory Reconsolidation is a valid, remarkable, revolutionary tool that will heal the neural pathways and clear them of any little T, middle T, big T traumas that might be stuck in your amygdala keeping you stuck and will get you unstuck. There are other modalities, uh, EMDR, neurofeedback. Ask me if you're not certain where to go. Google healing from childhood trauma, but get the help. I'm going to close by reading once again Ephesians 4. I think it's worthy of us rereading this. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still being controlled by anger. For anger gives a foothold to evil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live in the hallways of your home. Remember, he has identified you as his own and guaranteed that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Please, I'm saying please, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, and harsh, harsh, shameful words slanders, well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, please be kind to each other, compassionate, tender-hearted, forgiving, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. That, my friends, is a good word. A hard word, but a good word. And I can't wait to continue our conversation on the hallways of home. Please, if you need help, if you need help and don't know where to go, you know where to find me, JanelleRairden.com. Share this episode. Let's call Emotional 911 and help put some fires out inside of families. What I want you to do, here's my, here's my new mantra. Fight for your family, not with your family. Remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity. And your family is worth fighting for. See you next time. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and conversation, please join the Speak Healing Words community at JanelleReardon.com. 